Well, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be back again. Uh, it was really a joy to be here a couple of weeks ago and share with you. Uh, my brother-in-law, Joel, last time I was here, told me uh, I had my jacket, my suit jacket on, and he said, I didn't have a tie on. And he said, I'll forgive you that you don't have, you know, that you're wearing the jacket because you don't have a tie. But I'm about ready to pull the jacket off of you. So is this better? I mean, I don't have a Hawaiian. I'm buttoning a couple. Okay, well, I don't have a Hawaiian shirt like you that I could wear, you know. You buy me a Hawaiian shirt, I'll wear it and, and preach. You know, okay. Um, also, uh, it's, it's just been a joy to, to share with you guys and, and uh, just be in the church and, and afterwards, you know, sharing with so many of you. And uh, then yesterday I had a great day. I, it, you know, that's almost like a, a misconception to say it's been a great day that I spent with Ray Mitchell. I mean, can you spend a great day? No, I spent a great day with Ray Mitchell. Um, Ray and Paul and Joel and I had a little trip yesterday we took, and, and I just had a great time with them. Um, we went down to, to Kime Lumber, and, and I love working with lumber. I'm sorry if I drooled at any time because looking at all that wood, I was just in, I mean, it was great. I was loving it. So, but just what a, what a great fellowship with those men. And I will say this, and I've, I saw this when we attended here uh, before and seen this the last couple of times that I've been here. You guys just know how to worship. You're a worship team. You're musicians. Uh, the people who lead you in worship, they do such a phenomenal, phenomenal job. And that just makes the job of the minister so much easier when he gets into the pulpit and the congregation has been prepared, that the Spirit has already been moving and people are already sensitive to what the Spirit is doing. So thank you so much to all of those of you who are involved in the worship, being a former worship leader myself, it just means so much to uh, have that kind of worship before uh, a service. Um, I, I battled with a couple of messages this week. There was a couple that were on my heart and on my mind that I really, you know, went back and forth between. Um, I hate to say this because usually that's the time when um, Sunday morning at about 4 a.m. the Lord wakes me up and gives me the third message, which will be the one that I end up preaching, and uh, while I don't like that, those usually turn out to be some of the very best messages. Uh, my students know that I really believe that the devil uh, went to God during creation and said, let me create something, just one thing, and they battled back and forth, and finally God gave in and said, yes, I'll let you create one thing, and the devil said, 4 a.m., boom, and that's, that's the devil's hour. Um, it just always seemed like it was 4 a.m. that the Lord woke me up. Um, interesting, though, it's been a little more positive for me uh, lately. Um, a few weeks ago, there was something on my heart that was kind of heavy, and, and I went to bed with that, and I was praying, woke up at 4 a.m., um, was just kind of praying about it, and the Lord just kind of brought a name to my mind, and this is a person that I went to college with. We maybe have seen each other two or three times in the last 30 years, but sometimes I'll watch his messages online and listen to him preach, and, and so I thought, well, you know, I don't want to text him at 4 a.m., uh, so I sent a different kind of message just to say, you know, the Lord has me awake, and I'm praying, and my heart's heavy, and he put your name, your face in my mind, and immediately he responded. He said, the Lord woke me up at 4 a.m., and I didn't know what I was supposed to be praying for. But now I do, and I'm, I'm, he said, I'm on my face for you, brother, praying for you. So 4 a.m. is getting a little better, but it's still the devil's hour. It was, uh, I hate it. I hate it. Um, 
Something that I'd, I'd like to share with you this morning, though, and, and, and during the worship, really, I, I came, you know, I really felt like this was the message. I felt like this was the one the Lord had on my heart. I thought, thought it was a timely message. I thought it was a good message for really what our community, what our society and our world is going through these days. And so I felt good about it. Um, I had a couple, you know, like I said, that I was looking at. But even um, in the worship time, this was just confirmed to me that this is the message we need to hear today. Uh, from the Lord. So uh, let's just pray together that the Lord just moves his spirit and speaks to us as he wants us to hear. Lord Jesus, we're so grateful and thankful for this day, your day. And as we come to you today, Lord, we just ask, open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds. What do you want to say to us today? Let us hear it and let us accept it. And then let us make it a part of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One of my very close friends, and I'm not sure if this is an original quote of his or not, but um, he, he has this great quote that he talks about unforgiveness. And he says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. I want to talk to us a little bit about anger in our lives and what anger can become and what we can do to remedy that. One of the shows that I really uh, liked a few years ago, it's not on anymore, but you can certainly watch the reruns of it, and I think every man in this place, well, probably every person, um, and especially married couples can relate, probably remember the show, Everybody Loves Raymond, you know? Uh, Raymond was just that, you know, guy that just seemed like, if there's anything that's going to go bad or wrong, it's going to happen to him, you know. And, of course, his parents live next door, and they're always butting into the business of he and his wife and, and dealing with that. And so, uh, you know, how nosy they were, especially his mother, how she had to be in every aspect of his life. And there's an episode um, where she's cleaning out in their attic, and she comes across a, a chest, a, a kind of a, a, of all of Raymond's, belongings that he had kept from being a kid and she just was so thrilled that she found these things here's some trophies and some uh, report cards and you know papers he had written you know he's a writer and so his earliest papers that he had you know written for school and and he she comes across and he had kept kind of a diary and of course she began to read and she comes across this day and there's just Four words. I e-hat my mom. Now, for those of you who don't understand pig Latin, that means I hate my mom. Okay? Oh, so the entire episode, she's wanting to find out. What did I do that caused you to hate me? Why do you hate me? You know, it's just a, and, and he's saying, Mom, I, I was 10 years old. What 10-year-old boy didn't hate his mom at one point or another, you know? And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And finally, um, you know, it, it, it just escalates to a point they're not talking and she hates him. She gets out. She says, well, then I e-hat you too, you know, and walks away. And, and his wife's thrilled because she's thinking maybe she'll never come back. But, you know, it's just, it's just how it goes. But have we been there ourselves? Have you ever really just gotten mad? 
I mean, there's all kinds of things in life that make us mad. Maybe at work, somebody said something to you, or at school, somebody said something to you and just made you mad. Uh, my wife used to say, you know, she, we'd go somewhere and she'd say, I only have one nerve that's hanging out, and that person's just jumping all over it, you know. <laughs> uh, you've been there as well. Maybe it's like we were this yesterday. You know, you're driving and everything's good, but you found the person in front of you who's never broken 15 miles an hour in their car. <laughs> and there's no way to pass them, and you're going to be behind them forever and ever and ever. Or maybe, you know, you're at Walmart, and uh, of course, when we, I say it this way when we were in Virginia, we pastored in the mountains of Virginia. They don't call it Walmart in Virginia, it's the. You know, so it's, it's, it's like, well, there's only one then, the, but then they plural it, you know, so it's the Walmarts. I even got a card one time from somebody who said, I was in the Walmarts, and I was thinking about it. So maybe you've been in the Walmarts, and there's one cashier, and you're standing in line, and the person, 20 people in front of you, has a thousand coupons that they want to use. You know, you've been there, right? You're mad. Maybe you students, it's that guy or that girl that you kind of like, and your best friend decides, yeah, I'm going to go ask them out. And it makes you mad. <laughs> you get really mad, right? What about church? You ever get mad at church? Man, I got to church. I thought I was early. They'd already put the coffee away. It's just not my day. Or they don't have the kind of donuts that I like. And you're mad about it. Or you come in and somebody's sitting in my seat. Where, why, why would they know this is my seat? Why would they sit in my seat? Or this would never happen. You know, I, I, well, they sang a song I did not like. I don't like that style of music. I don't like that kind of music. I'm not going to even sing because I'm mad. That never happens. Never happens in church. Yeah, it does. And we get mad. The problem is, is that so many times our anger can escalate and turn into crazier things and worse things. Let me take you back to the first time we even see anger in the Bible. Go all the way back to Genesis. All the way back into Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse number 2, we see the story of two brothers. Cain and Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. We could change that word for accepted. He accepted their offering, but he did not accept Cain's. And then he says this, uh, and, and so Cain was very angry. This is the key verse here. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell to the Lord, to the ground, and the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, this is the first mention of sin in the Bible, by the way. Sin is crouching at your door. It desire is for you, but you must rule over it. Now, we know there was sin before this, but this is the first time God mentions it. 
and it, must, it wants to rule over. Cain spoke to his brother Abel, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel, and he killed him. I like to say probably the first reason that we usually get angry is because we don't get what we want. Do you realize that when Cain went to the Lord with his offering, he didn't go with an attitude of thinking, I don't care if the Lord accepts this or not. He wanted the Lord to accept his offering. It was his desire to give something that the Lord would accept. He wanted the Lord to accept. Now, he didn't go about it the right way. He didn't bring the right things. The Bible tells us, and as you study that, you see that. But it wasn't his desire to be turned away. It wasn't his desire to be rejected. He wanted to bring what he wanted, and he wanted the Lord to accept that. He wanted the Lord to, it, to re- take it in regard, as the translation that we read said. He wanted it so badly, it had become an obsession to him. And we can do that. There are things in our life that we want so badly that it can become an obsession to us. That's all we think about. That's all we want. We dream about it. We, first thing in our minds when we get up in the morning, it's the last thing we think about when we go to bed at night. We want that certain thing. We want it so bad. It is controlled Every part of our lives. We get to the place where we even convince ourselves where we say, I deserve that thing. It should be mine. I believe that's the way Cain felt when he brought his offering to the Lord. But unfortunately, we don't always get what we want. Man, if there's anything we need to be teaching our young people, in this world, you will not always get what you want. And you can't just be offended by it. And cause all kinds of trouble everywhere else because you didn't get your way. You're not guaranteed that in this life. If anything, as a Christian, we're guaranteed the opposite. In this world, you will, it's not might, you will have trouble. We're going to live that kind of life. But we feel like we deserve it. Verse 5 again, but for Cain his, and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was, and I love that the, the English translation says this because it's very close to the original translation, the translation that says he was very angry. He wasn't just mad. He wasn't just frustrated. He was very angry because he didn't get what he wanted. I grew up as a drummer. I, I love to play the drums. Uh, uh, the reason we went to, to the lumber yard yesterday is I, I, I build drums now. I love doing that. And it's just been a part of my life, my whole life. I love doing it. And when I was very young, I, we, we were in a pastor's home and, and never really had a lot of money and to do things. And so every one of my drum sets, my first drum sets were bought at this yard sale or the pawn shop or I traded a bicycle for this or you know, and I would paint them to make them all look alike, but none of them were very good. But it was mine. It was my drum set. And my dad got a call to a new church when I was a junior in high school, and it was the largest church my dad had ever been called to. They were offering him a better salary than he had ever been offered, and so he made me a deal. He said, why don't you take all these drums that you have accumulated and sell them all. We'll take that money, and when we move, we'll buy you a really nice brand new drum set and so I thought boy this is perfect I did it I sold everything I had we moved I still didn't have enough I still didn't have enough money even with the money my dad added to it we just still didn't have so 
this is going to go way over the head of younger people. Uh, I put it on layaway. <laughs> and so um, every, you know, week or month, I'd go in and make a, more money, you know, and I'd just drool over my drum set that's sitting in the music store that I can't take home yet because I want it so bad. I deserve it. I want it, you know. And I just knew we're getting close, and Christmas is just around the corner. I knew without a doubt in my mind. I even told all my friends, well, I know, Dad's going to get it out, and he's going to surprise me with it at Christmas. It's going to be there. You know, we'll wake up Christmas morning. It'll be sitting in our living room beside the tree. He's going to surprise me with it. And there was a surprise. Uh, (laughs) I got up, and so uh, my mom and dad went to their favorite store, Big Lots, and they had found this little device. It was a little square box, and it had four little, about three or four inch, little rubber pads on it. It was called Syncussion, and it was the first synthesized percussion module ever made. It made three sounds, and they all sounded like this. Pew! That's all it made. That's all it would do, you know. Pew! It was horrible. And that's what was waiting at the tree for me Christmas morning. I did not get what I wanted, and I was mad. And, and the concussion was in several pieces because I was so mad. I just hurled it across the room. I was so mad. I was very mad because I didn't get what I wanted, what I thought I deserved. Now, that was a toy to a kid. But how many times in life do we do the very same things? I deserve this. I want this. I should get it. And when we don't get what we want, we get mad. We get angry. We get very angry. The problem with that is that anger, out of control, becomes hatred. Do you know, the Bible does not say that anger is a sin. If it did, we've got a problem with one verse in the Bible when it says, be angry and sin not. So obviously there is a holy anger. I believe Jesus showed that holy anger in the temple. Uh, My students can tell you about how I feel about that. I don't believe that Jesus lost his temper um, because Jesus, it says in the Bible, it says he made a whip. If you lost your temper, that's a quick, decisive thing that happens right now. You can't make a whip that quick. You have to sit down and take time. Jesus had a deliberate action. He sat down. He took his time to make that whip before he overturned the tables. And so uh, I don't believe he just lost his temper. I believe he was in total control. That was holy anger, not hatred. But sometimes we allow our anger to become hatred. Cain was that angry. But for Cain and his offering, God had no regard. So Cain was very angry. And then the Bible says, and his face fell. This is where hatred is taken in. That very angry attitude has now become hatred in his life. How much do we see that in our society today? We see groups of people who were totally fine with everything going on in life, but because somebody else got mad and somebody else has allowed their anger to be out of control, we feel like we deserve something too, and we ought to be on the bandwagon, and so we jump in, and so now we're angry and we hate something we didn't even know what we were doing to begin with. 
We live in a world of angry people filled with hatred. I believe it's our job as Christians to teach those people a different way. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. But anger can lead to that hatred when it's out of control. When I was in college, I used to play a lot of golf. Now, I'm no good. I don't know why it is that every sport that I seem to take up, the people that I'm involved with will say, it's a good thing you can preach. I don't know really what that means. Um, But I was going to play golf, and there's a friend of mine named Tim, and Tim and I would go play golf often. I loved playing golf with Tim because Tim was hysterical. Just one of those kind of guys that everything he said was funny, everything he did was funny. I just loved being with Tim. And and so the one thing about that, though, is as funny and humorous as Tim was, he had that degree of a temper as well. If he lost it, you didn't want to be anywhere around him. He, he could lose his temper and be angry, and it just was horrible. Well, one day he asked me, he said, you want to go play golf today? And sure, yeah, I want to go play golf. So he said, well, i got a couple of stops that I need to make on the way. Now, again, young people, this, you, this is going to go right over your head. We had to stop by Blockbuster Video and return a movie. Um, <laughs> And we used to have to do that. And, and when he walked in, it was overdue. And he had to pay $5. Now, maybe, you know, you think $5, that's not much. For a college student, it might as well have been $500. And Tim was getting mad. I could see it. He was getting mad. So he paid his money. He goes out and he gets in the car. And I'm like, where do you need to go to now? This is just, I mean, the stars in the universe couldn't have lined up better for this. Oh, i got to go by the insurance salesman. Oh, boy. Now we're just, I might as well just go home because you're going to be mad, you know. He needed to pay his car insurance premium, and so he got in. I said, I'm not going in with you. You go on. So he goes in. He's there forever. Finally, he comes back out, slams the door behind him, gets in the car, and he slams the car door. I shouldn't have asked. Tim, what's the matter? My insurance lapsed. I had to pay twice as much to get my car reinstated and pay for my monthly premium just to have car insurance. You sure you want to go play golf, Tim? Yes, let's go play golf. His face is turning red. He's getting mad. I'm thinking, well, this might be good. Let's get out on the golf course. Let's have some fun. So we get to the first hole, and like normal, I scored a nine. That's not good, by the way. He scored an eight. You know, we're, I'm trying to laugh and cut up with him. He's not having it. It's just getting worse. It's getting worse. Well, we finally came up to this one hole, and um, as we walked up there, Tim had gotten his golf clubs out, and he laid them down, and then somebody else pulled up, and he needed to move the golf cart, so he ran over his golf clubs with the golf cart. He's just getting worse, you know. And then he goes up, and this didn't make things any better. This was the longest green on the course, And I hit the shot of my life. (laughs) Long, straight, right in the middle of the fairway, set me up perfect for the next 12 shots to get up to the hole. (laughs) And uh, Tim, and those of you golfers will know what I'm talking about, Tim had a really wicked hook. Now, in golf, there's the slice, which goes this way, and then there's the hook that goes this way. And Tim's was, and in Florida, the one thing you want to be really careful with is that they just tell you, it's not if, it's they're there. Every water hazard will have an alligator in it. Just know, if you're going close to the water, take your golf club with you, 
and you'll just know they're there and you'd see them all the time you know most of the time they get close they jump back into the water they were afraid of you but beside this hole this whole long fairway were, were these swampy woods um, probably about four inches deep of water and just thick wooded area and Tim gets up, and, he, and he's first time he tees up, takes the swing, just trying to get all of his anger out, misses the ball completely. <laughs> takes his club, he just hits it into the ground. He's so, he's so mad. Well, then he, he tees up again. This time he hits it whew, way over, and you're hearing click, 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 as it hits all the trees. And he puts another ball down, <laughs> three, four, the fifth ball. Man, it started just as straight, and then it went way over and veered. And Tim just looked at me, and he says, I hate golf. And he took that club, and he threw it. It is amazing how much a golf club sounds like a helicopter propeller <laughs> as it went cracking through all the trees that followed all of his golf balls out through there. So he's, I knew, he's done. He's clenching his teeth, he's sweating, his face is red, he's mad, he's angry. I'm like, just, just get in the golf cart, we'll leave. And he says, I got to go get that club. I'm like, Tim, that's a swamp, that's a Florida swamp. You may never come back, you know, I don't know. I can't let you go out there. No, I got to go get that. Tim, I was with you at the yard sale that you paid $5 for those clubs. It's not worth it you give me one good reason that you got to go get that club and he said it's your club <laughs> well I'll see you at the hole then go get my club have you been there have you been so angry that now it's almost turned to hatred because anger when out of control can become hatred and when you're out of control you don't know what's going to happen now fortunately that was nothing that was a golf club but how many times do we have that kind of thing happen in our relationships and then anger is going both ways and then it becomes something that's out of control and then we can even hate each other and when somebody says you ought to forgive I'm not going to forgive them and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Well, hatred, when it's in our lives, some awful things can happen. First of all, hatred will destroy the hater. I know we think, you know, I can hate them. It's not a big deal. Nobody really cares. Did you realize that you're destroying yourself when you hate someone? It destroys you when you hate. Hatred destroys the hater. We see that Cain comes before the Lord. He doesn't get what he wants. He gets mad. He gets very mad. And now this hatred has overcome him. He's out of control. And he takes the very life from his brother. And he is marked forever. The Lord marks him as a murderer forever today thousands of years later we're still talking about Cain the murderer it destroyed him it destroyed everything about him when you hate it destroys you 
in chapter 4, verse 11, we see God says to Cain, And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. When you hate, it destroys you. It also destroys the hated. You know, you may think, well, they don't even know that I hate them. I'm not going to have any kind of relationship with them. I'm not going to bother them. I'm not going to ever go near them. But do you realize that it will destroy the person you're hating because of your hatred? Because Cain hated his brother Abel. Cain murders him. Abel loses his life because of the hate of his brother. And even though none of us may ever get to that point, the person we hate is destroyed when we hate them. But, you know, when we hate, it doesn't just destroy the person doing the hating. It doesn't just destroy the person you hate. It actually destroys every person affiliated and around them. How many families have been broken up just because two members in the family hate each other? But the entire family is torn because of that hatred. How many churches have been torn apart because maybe this small little group of people and this small little group of people hated each other. And the entire church is destroyed because of that hatred. This world that we're living in today in this society, I think we are seeing people who are destroyed, who aren't even closely related to what people are hating, and yet they're still destroyed by it. You and I. We're feeling the effects of someone else's hatred. Hatred destroys the person who's hating. Hatred destroys the person they hate, but it also destroys every person around them. In verse 16 of chapter 4, it says, And Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Do you realize that this first community that's talked about in the Bible, this first civilization, if you will, is built on hatred? The very first city we have, the first place we have talked about where an establishment is made now is Cain and he builds it upon the hatred of his life. Seems like we've just followed suit. We had this example and we didn't take the example of Eden, we took the example of Nod. It seems like we've built every civilization on that. Civilizations built on hatred, hating other people for something because we didn't get what we wanted. So we hate them. I remember when I was in college, my Bible professor said this. Cain's building a city is based on his punishment, not a reward. It caused mankind to lose its fellowship with one another. Before that, we had fellowship with one another. And yet, because he built that civilization based on his hatred, we lost that fellowship. We're still trying to make up for it. It seems like we make baby steps. And then the society that we live in pushes us back miles. Well, then how do we solve it? Jesus gives us the most simplest, easiest idea that I've ever heard. Jesus just said this. A new commandment I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you should love 
one another. Do you realize when he comes to us, he says, this is a new commandment. You know, it really wasn't. It was the way God intended it from the beginning, that we were to love one another. But it was new to their ears that day. It was unfamiliar to them. They didn't recognize it. They didn't know what it meant. Love one another. And then he even tells them how to do it. I've set an example for you of how to do it. As I've loved you, so you should love one another. You notice that Cain takes the life in his hatred. And Jesus gives his life in his love. You and I need to see that example and show that example of loving one another just as Christ has loved us. And then he made it, he, he's like, yeah, there must have been idiots he was talking to because he had to make it so simple to them. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, he made it very directional. Each other. Love one another. I'm speaking to you to love him. And you love him. How will the world know that you are my disciples? That you love one another. How will we overcome the anger in our lives? Love. How will we overcome the hatred in our lives? Love. How is it that we can watch the news and see the rioting and see all the horrible things that are going on in our society today and not burn inside with anger and hatred? Love. As Christ loved, we love one another. I'm going to admit, there have been people in my lives that have wronged me to the point, I don't want to love them. I don't want to love them. I'll be even further than that. There are a lot of non-Christian people I like a whole lot better than Christian people. Maybe you're there too. One day I was driving in my car. This is when I worked at Sweetwater Music. And the Lord, I've only done this a couple of times to me in life, but you ever had one of those opportunities where you're in, in a vehicle or you're out alone and the Lord speaks to you to the point you're looking around saying, who's with me? Who's in the car with me? Or who's been walking? Because it's a verbal audio, audio that you hear. And I, I heard it, audible. And it just pretty much said, I know you're mad. Do you know I love them just as much as I love you? No, wait a minute, Lord. You saw what they did to me. I know, and I still love them as much as I love you. I don't love them any more than I love you, but I don't love you any more than I love them. I love you both perfectly and the same. Okay, but you're God. Yeah, and I'm telling you, you got to love them too. Wait a minute. Yeah, that's what I'm telling you. You have to love them too. At the end of the episode, Raymond's mom finally comes to him. She feels pretty bad about her anger, her hatred. Raymond's feeling pretty bad too. So she brings the diary and a pencil. And she says, can you erase E-hat? He says, yeah, Mom, I can erase that. So he erases it, closes it, hands her the book, and she hands it back to him. She says, can you write E-love? <laughs> I 
he loved my mom. I love my mom, and he does. Maybe it's time for us to let the Holy Spirit God come into our lives and erase that anger, erase that hatred, and replace it, write it in. Let the blood of Jesus write it in. Love. Love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. The world is not going to do this. We have to do this. Lord Jesus, today I'm so grateful and thankful because I don't deserve that kind of love. None of us here do. And yet, you chose to love us anyway. You came and gave your life to wipe out and erase all that anger and hatred that we may have and show the life-giving love through Jesus Christ. And now today we have the promise of the Holy Spirit in which we can share that love to one another. And the world will not be changed until we love one another. So Lord, today, there may be some people in this place today who need to have the Holy Spirit come in and erase that anger. To just wipe out that hatred that has been controlling them for so long. To quit drinking the poison and waiting for someone else to die and forgive and love. Lord, only you know who needed to hear these words today. And I pray that in the power of the Holy Spirit, that each of us take these words. And Lord, if today we need to spend some time in prayer, if there's others that we need to pray with, maybe there's even people who need to say, I got to go to that brother or that sister and ask for their forgiveness. Maybe today you've challenged us that there may be people we have to contact this week and ask their forgiveness and offer forgiveness for what they've done to us. Lord, let's quit drinking the poison. Wipe away the anger, wipe away the hatred, and fill it with the presence of Jesus Christ that we may love. That's the only way the world's going to change. And Lord, I pray it in Jesus' precious name. Amen.